um, thanks everybody for tuning in. I am here with my friend Brian Ewald from, uh, well, he's a PRS artist, uh, a session player, uh, studio engineer, uh, guitarist for Starbelly, uh, lots of different hats you wear, um, a full-time musician, which is awesome. And uh, we're here to talk about all things guitar and uh, music related and kind of the theme of our podcast and the idea behind this is we want to give our audience and our customer base inspiration um a lot of folks that come through this door are uh you know music enthusiasts guitar enthusiasts and if they're anything like me i spend my whole day thinking about music and guitars and practice techniques and ideas and how to get better and coming up with better tone and kind of all the standard things that you probably think about every day um so that being said um thank you for taking the time to speak with us and and thank you for for coming in again i think this is probably maybe your sixth visit here uh, probably I, definitely four or five yeah, i was okay. here with paul once i've been here by myself once or twice and we did the beer thing we did it yeah, yeah we did a beer thing i think you were here one thanksgiving with mike dealy uh for uh our food drive a yeah, long time ago right. yep. uh yeah so yeah. thank you for continually coming out and uh my pleasure and you know and thanks for having me yeah, it absolutely. works out that i don't live too far you yeah. Know? It's, yeah, it's not, yeah it's not like i'm flying in from the west coast or anything, so. yeah <laughs> um so before we really kind of get into uh uh crazy guitar stuff um i wanted to give you the opportunity to, to plug anything that you're working on these days and kind of tell us what's what's going on with you and, and anything that you want our listeners to know about cool yeah thank you uh i i mean i'm I, like you said, I juggle a lot of pro- projects, and some of them are just regional, you know, bands. Some are cover bands and bar bands, and then a few original projects. Starbelly that you mentioned is one of my primarily uh, primary original bands. Um, you know, we put out a record a little less than a year ago, uh, which seems recent to me because our prior record came out in like 2002. I think it was. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's pretty um, recent comparatively. Yeah, so this feels really new. Um, and uh, so, and we're already starting to work on stuff for the next follow-up record um it's a very like beatlesque power pop very you know inspired by um crowded house elo xtc okay. um and you know which are all kind of tread back to the beatles anyway sure um so uh that record is out easy to find it's all over it's called four is the name of the album um it's on itunes spotify everywhere everywhere you can get music yeah, yep. yeah. okay um we're uh we just booked a gig uh in uh the uk we're actually gonna play the cavern club uh, where the beatles got oh that's awesome yeah in may so that's that's gonna be a lot of fun and i'm gonna make a week trip out of it and take the family and uh It'll be my it, of all the I've I've done a lot of traveling. I've played all around the United States with, you know, mostly as a hired gun. My bands have done some traveling and touring, but mostly what I do when I'm on the road is playing with other artists, which is great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've never been overseas with my own bands. I've been overseas with PRS. I've been overseas with different artists that I play with. Yeah. Um, and it's been wonderful. But this will be the first time I actually went over and playing my stuff with yeah. my band which is that's exciting. awesome yeah. yeah yeah that's uh yeah quite a quite a landmark in your in your career probably to, to be able to do that and to yeah, play the cavern yeah. club is awesome i mean that's 
there is no, probably no more iconic place, uh, you know, in in rock and roll or in the history of rock and roll. I mean, playing there, like Wembley know. Stadium would be cool well, too. Well, yeah, but you, know, but, you, know. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> this would just warm me up. I don't for know. That, yeah, right? I don't know if we'd you know be able to fill up enough. You know, just the first two or three rows, maybe. That's all tough. it takes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's all you can see with the lights on. Anyhow, yeah. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, cool. That that's awesome. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with PRS guitars and and kind of how you got into that and and kind of how it evolved to to the place that you are today. Okay. With them. Yeah. So I I actually had a sh- very short run working there back out of high school in '92, okay. and um, which was really it was great. It was a really cool experience, and you know, was, I was a guitar player that, you know, I I knew we had this. You know this brand that was big already by then. Not it hadn't really grown to what it was. Still in Annapolis in the yeah. Virginia Avenue place, um, and it just so happened actually that somebody else had applied for a job there that I knew, and somebody who'd moved in from out of town, and I was the only guitar player in town they knew. So they put my name down as a reference, like I was a kid <laughs> yeah. out of high school yeah, playing guitar, you like, like yeah. you know. But the guy who who called to check on the reference knew of me through something. And was like, hey, we're actually hiring a couple positions. So, like, you know, the guy that I was, ref- you know, referring, he got the job. But also, they were like, if you want to come down, and I was like, yeah, might be cool. And and it, I loved it. It was re- it was really interesting work. But after um, I joined a band about halfway through the year that I was there, and was off playing all the time and not sleeping because I would get home at you know three a.m. and I'd have to yeah. get you know PRS super early. I decided I. I much prefer playing guitars than I do buffing them, yeah. and sanding them. So, uh, uh, but I mean, there's so many people there who who were there who are st- you know Paul Miles and all these people that that's I got awesome. to know. Yeah. Tons of them, and I and you know that's how I met Paul. And um, Paul would I would see Paul at my gigs over the years, and you know we would uh, we talk here and there. But he um, he was also always really supportive. I would get phone calls from people. Uh, bands looking for a guitar player, people looking for a teacher, and you know it'd be like, yeah, I got your name from Paul Reed Smith. So I mean, he was always a, uh, it was, and and I'm not the only one. I've talked to a lot of people that he's you know done, done this that, to. Yeah. He's always been really supportive of of people, you know, um, and even doing it without asking for thanks or anything, just uh, doing it to be, yeah. And, so um, and then what what I'm doing now kind of started. Uh, my artist deal started with them. Um, when I was out on the road playing with a, a couple different bands and one or two that were, you know, label acts, and um, I really wasn't playing PRS much because part of it was just you know the, the budget, you know, yeah, I was a working sure. musician, yeah, yeah. and um, they were they got me a couple guitars to like road test. Okay. Kind of artist guitars that were like new models. Okay. Five Thirteen was an early one that I did, and oh, that's cool. Um, okay. But um, so that and, was probably the early two thousands, then is mm-hmm, roughly when that. Yeah, okay. yeah, and then. Uh, it just kind of snowballed into, you know, hey, why don't you come in and do a video? And I did a video or two, and then it was, hey, you want to do 10 more videos? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and and next thing I know, they're asking me to go to trade shows here and there. And um, it, it really just kind of happened. It just kind of fell in my lap and, land, you know, happened organically. But it's been, obviously, it's a it's a great gig. It's I, yeah. I couldn't pick a better company, and it just so happens to be in my backyard. And yeah, I think it's a win-win because I, you know, they 
they have other people, other artists like Bosco is in here that they'll send gear to to beta test and stuff like in, when the Sanzeros came out. But, you know, they have to ship everything to him. You know, they can call me up. And say, hey, and come over like, here hey, and pick yeah, this up like, and use yeah, it this yeah. weekend. See what you think. Yeah. yeah. Or just come into the factory and try stuff out or filming videos. I'm right there. So, yeah. it's um, yeah, just it's 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 great. And and um, I I like I said, I couldn't imagine. I, I'm not really a clinician or a demo guy by trade. I didn't set out to do that. And if I wasn't doing it with PRS, I wouldn't really look for another job doing with that. somebody else because, yeah. um, you know, it's. I, I love the product. I love their, I love the, you know, the way they build them. I love the whole atmosphere of the company. So sure. it's, it's not, you know, I just go back to putting a couple more gigs on the books. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one, one cool thing about being in Maryland and, and being a PRS dealer and, and kind of being really ingrained in the company is these grassroots things that the company does to to really kind of um build the line in our area like it, it's such a huge thing and, and all these things that you do you're going out and doing these workshops and you know you playing prs guitars at a gig and you posting a picture of them on your facebook and all this stuff makes such a humongous difference so a lot of people just take it for granted and just oh it's you know just kind of something but all that kind of snowballs and builds this big momentum and this grassroots movement and yeah. uh you know it, it's awesome well the internet and social media has changed everything for companies all over oh you totally know, it's you know real the companies who understand how to how to use that is a huge tool yeah. but i think the other thing with prs that is just so different now in a great way is that it was like owning a ferrari when i was growing up you know i grew up in the town where they came from and the idea of having one was almost a pipe dream for yeah. most people, you know, because the, they were amazing, like, heirloom instruments that, you know, they, you know. Yeah, and, and it was as much you know, as a car, yeah. like, and in that's your high school and college days, one, you yeah. know. And, and um, but now that with the S2s and the SEs, and the, there's so many things that they're doing now, and they're all great, you know, yeah. no matter what the, but, you know, there's so many things in different price points that um, it's a really complete line now. So it really doesn't, matter so much what your budget is there's something in there that that that's awesome that's and great. will fit your yeah. your price point and yeah. your need kind of thing yeah yeah it's, it's totally cool um kind of to go off topic a little mm -hmm. bit of prs and and as a guitar player what are you listening to these days what what, mm -hmm. do you, what did you listen to on the way here and and what what do you listen to like uh, every day i like wake up in the morning i'm like oh i gotta listen to this today it's gonna be a yeah. know, joe satriani kind of day right. i'm gonna put this on what'd you listen to today I, so i'm a i'm a huge song person like i mean i grew up guitar 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 like i mean i listened to primarily instrumental guitar music all through junior high and high school and i mean i listen to bands like van halen and all you know and but half the time I listen to Van Halen songs and I just fast to forward the to the guitar parts. solo. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, but um, I think at one time when I was a kid, I made a tape from my albums. I made a tape where it was just like all the cool guitar riffs, like back to back. Oh, like now you could idea. edit it real yeah, quick. Yeah, like, yeah, put it all I together. I made my own little mixtape of just, you know, and I would just sit there and like play along with every yeah. little bit I could. But, um, and it's not that I don't listen to guitar music. I still do, but um, uh I, you know, Jeff Beck has always been like probably one of my favorites, but, and I still listen to it, um, but I still, I, I gravitate towards great guitar players within the context of, of songs. And my taste is all over the map, just like everybody's is, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I love, um, 
uh, lately I've been listening to guys like um, Joey Landreth, the Landreth Brothers, um, Ariel uh, Posen, who's actually I discovered through who was playing with them. They're both um, kind of rootsy, almost like uh, Derek Trucksy style players. Okay. Um, great players. Both are great singers. Uh, they both have new records out. I was just listening to um, Joey. Uh, released a new single like yesterday oh, okay. and i downloaded and i probably listened to it four times on the drive down here. <laughs> uh, wow and, right. um i you know i there's um i usually have my ipod on shuffle and i i even though i have tons of music on my phone i still have a an ipod in my car 160 gig ipod is full <laughs> and so like and i a lot of times just have that on shuffle and, and then just like let it go something see. will hit and i'll go oh it's in awesome, the beginning yeah. of the drive and i'll like I'm in the because usually once I latch on to something, whatever mood I'm in that day, um, I'll want to listen to that. Like, yeah. and um, I'm an album person too. Like, usually yeah. there's certain albums that I don't want to hear. If I like Pink Floyd's Animals, I mean, actually a lot of Pink Floyd stuff. Like, if I want to listen to it, I want to put it on in the beginning and hear it to right. the end. So you need a long drive like to Island Music to listen to. Yeah, it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is great. I can get an album, maybe an album and a half. <laughs> My problem is, is I live too close to work. Yeah, so I get like a song and a half in. You know, mm -hmm. like somebody gave me the new Joe Satriani album. It's just picking on him. But uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you got to check out track 10. And I was like, man, it's going to take me like a month to get to track 10, just yeah. driving back and forth to work. But uh, I, I, I do spend a lot of time listening to songs that I have to for gigs. Stuff. Oh, I, sure. I'm constantly having to learn stuff for, different. you know, doing a hired gun gig with somebody and I've got to prep all this material um, and or if I'm like, if I'm working on a something in the studio whether i'm playing a session or mixing stuff you know a lot of times i'm listening to one song over and over like different right. mixes that i made in the car so i spend a lot of time like what i consider to be like my work listening time yeah, yeah. Um, which is not bad I, at least i like all the stuff i'm working on and i like most of the songs i have to learn i'm doing I, I i've been playing with uh, this guy jimmy davies probably for 20 years um We've had a band called Jarflies, um, but his main other thing is he's the lead singer and songwriter for Jimmy's Chicken Shack. So oh, okay. He goes by Jimmy Ha Ha's. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know. yeah, we've had so, him here, yeah. too. Yeah, okay. So, Jimmy and I have been in a band together, but it's very different than the Chicken Shack stuff. Okay. Um, but I'm actually going to be doing a Chicken Shack gig. Island Styles is uh, also Candlebox, doing the with right? Candlebox. Yeah. So, uh, there's at least one or two Chicken Shack shows this summer, and... I mean, I've known them since they started, and I, I'm familiar with the tunes. But I, you know, they're really angular kind of. Yeah. They're they're specific parts. It's not stuff like oh, you write down a couple chords and you, yeah, just, you just jam figure your you way know. through it. Yeah. So I've been listening to that a lot um, to get ready get it back for that. into my you know into my brain. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that that connection. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's big happy Maryland family. You know, yeah. it's all. It's really. You know. <laughs> yeah, we had them. Let's see. I think two maybe three Rocktoberfests ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they were awesome. It was it was a really cool thing to, to see them on a stage here uh, in my hometown. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. as, as a kid, uh, you know, when, when they came out, they were awesome, you know. And great energy. Yeah, always and always like, such a great band. And he's a great front man. He's a really great songwriter. Yeah. I mean, it, not just, I mean, they're cool sounding songs and stuff, but like if you really delve into his catalog and stuff lyrically he's he's yeah and he's some of some of the, the, the deeper writer. cuts that, that weren't necessarily the single but uh right. you know you can listen to some of those albums all the way through and mm -hmm. there's just great songs really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome um what are some of your current musical goals other than to 
keep working <laughs> what, what what else do you have kind of on the horizon or that you're uh you know kind of pushing towards well um because i've made so much of my living as a hired gun and and i i really enjoy it and i enjoy playing different stuff all the time so it's you know you don't have enough time to really get bored of anything or sick of it because you um but the downfall is it like your own projects your own creative outlets pushed to the back yeah and Mm. you know uh that's why starbelly didn't have a record for that long because we all are full-time musicians doing our own thing and um and so we've played together still like it's not that we broke up but we've been doing gigs you know doing bar gigs and different things and even those are really fun like it's you know we kind of got out of the creative side and um so i'm really right now reinvigorated and inspired to really kind of make sure I, i leave myself time for writing i'd love to put out a solo record i've been thinking about doing that for a decade or more yeah. and um i just need to get like, on, you know yeah. kick myself in the butt and yeah. actually get doing it yeah but <laughs> so that's my that's probably my primary goal just to keep writing i love collaborating and writing with other people so like um i just got to find time for it yeah it would be it's i think for you to do a solo record would would really be an awesome statement it would also kind of like archive this period in your life and this mm-hmm. you know oh yeah and, yeah and some of the songs that you've probably written over the years that kind of put a, a stamp you know to a certain period of time it would be an awesome thing to add to your your collection of <laughs> and i mean i have a studio in the house and you yeah, can, so you can, yeah, you can just put this you. you don't even have to press cds if you don't want to it does it's not all yeah. the work that it used to yeah. be you don't have to rent studio time and you know, come up with a couple grand to press a thousand discs. And yeah. Hope hopes to sell half of them, and you have a couple boxes of CDs left yeah, in that you can give garage. for yeah, yeah. Christmas and stuff yeah, to yeah. family members. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have an actual practice routine, or is everything pretty much just I have to practice this for work? I've you never know, been like gonna... a really. Uh, I've never been really good at sitting down and practicing specific things. Um, I run through songs a lot that I have to, to work on. But even when I was a kid, I was much more of a um, a riff or a song kind of like, I I would sit down and go, okay, I'm gonna practice these arpeggios or these scales. And I mean, after 30 seconds of it, I'm off on a tangent and I just start improvising you yeah. know, and, and noodling. Um, and I, I wish I had, like, I, I wish I was somewhere a little bit more in the middle. I, I like what I've done because I think that's, I think practicing things that are too mechanical can, even if you get really fluid at it, can turn into very mechanical sounding playing. Sure. And I like very musical sounding things. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy for me to be into it. And um, and uh, sometimes I think if you spend too much time on the, the mechanics uh, and not focusing enough on I mean, melody and rhythm. And I don't mean rhythm just as in rhythm guitar playing. I mean, varying rhythm. Sure. I know people who've... That fits the song or fits yeah. between the, the, the drum beat or Even whatever. Even my favorite guitar players who are really technically advanced. You know, guys like Eddie Van Halen and Eric Johnson. And I mean, there's a million... And Satriani, all those guys. Um, even though there's a, a tremendous amount of technique in what they do, they're all melody driven. They yeah. all like... They, yeah. they write great parts and they're hooky. And, and if it weren't for that, technique without any of that is no good to me yeah you know and i'd i'd rather have something that's really simple and easy to play that sounds musical than something that's really fancy that has you know if it's if it's got if it's cool and has some cool technique to it and it's musical great that's awesome but um so 
and I find myself in a lot of situations where I have to be, I like to like kind of fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> yeah. So I spend a lot of time just putting myself in situations, just picking up and just hearing something. And I got to play along with yeah, that. Just like I have to figure around out what's going and, yeah. on. Like, like okay. if something, the TV's on in the background and I just, I'm sitting there with a guitar in my hand and I'm just, what like the commercial is on and I'm just trying to mimic what's yeah, happening. Okay, that's in G. And I, okay, it's yeah. just ear training, you yeah. know, and you get to the point where it, um, just like anything, you know, people see you do stuff like that and they go, Oh wow! You know, yeah. If you spend all your time looking at tabs or or having somebody walk you through it, you can learn the songs. But there's no way to develop your ear and figuring out than just trying. Yeah. And if it takes you hours to figure out, you know, twenty seconds of a song in the beginning, well, after that, it's going to take you half the time to figure out more. And before you know it, after time, it, it's the other way around. You can figure out all kinds of stuff. Sure. And but once you kind of get used to the patterns and the chord changes, it. yeah. and it's just, and, and also, uh, no matter what situation that you get put in, you can adapt to it. Mm -hmm. So you might not have spent three hours practicing your sweep picking, but if all of a sudden, you know, a band calls you up on stage and hands you a guitar, chances are you'll be able to figure out the chord progression and, and yeah. you know, play a lead part over it or something. So yeah, that's practice just uh, different. <laughs> yeah. So I spend a lot of time just playing and playing, you know, figuring out songs, you know? So you mentioned that you have a studio in your house. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your studio and about some of your studio projects. I think I read that last year you worked with maybe 40 different, artists yeah but that would that wouldn't all be in the studio that's probably okay. gigs and okay you know um but in the studio i still work with um I, I don't have like a commercial space where i typically like produce bands i i do every once in a while but it's it's rare just because i don't have a lot of time sure. and it's in my house and there's not a lot of space sure um it's primarily set up for me to uh track guitars on people's records remotely so huh? people are recording their record wherever they can send me files i can lay down guitar parts and send it back to them so i do a lot of that okay um and you know i've got my guitars around pedal shelves with pedals most of my amps are off to my right and then i'm running almost always you know into a, a iso booth a, a, a Okay. closed off room with cabinets in it so even if i'm using a little an amp that's a combo i'm still using the combo as a head typically okay um and you know so it's pretty much set up i can go down there and flip everything on and start tracking the stuff um okay. and but i have drums down there they're crammed in there and um <laughs> i every once in a while i do i record my kids both play so they'll go down and jam, jam along in the and studio. record that and yeah um, but it's pretty tight if i'm like I could record a trio down there and it'd be cozy, but <laughs> it's not really that, set up to have be. a band okay. come in. Yeah, it's an overdub room. Okay, but, and I do some mixing and stuff like that, and I, I enjoy doing that. But it's, I don't advertise or like. Sure, there's so many great studios thing. around yeah. that usually if if it's Somebody a big project, is. I'm like, go there. You can get it done a lot. But um, like lately, I've been uh, I play live a bunch and. Um, uh, do you, I don't know if you know Eric Scott. He's a great yeah. songwriter, singer, and bass player yep. extraordinaire. Um, I play a lot of guitar for him. He's got two records coming out this year. Oh, wow. So okay. I did a bunch of stuff with that. Uh, Brandon Hardesty, who's from the band Bumpin' Uglies, the lead singer of Bumpin' Uglies. I don't think And I've right. been doing some, um, some solo stuff of his, um, you know, outside of his band. He's kind of doing a little solo project, and it's basically, so far, it's just been me and him. He comes and records acoustic guitar and vocal, and then I build up these this instrumentation around him oh, and i cool. play some other stuff other than guitar um 
little bit of keys. I play a lot of bass, and okay. I dabble on drums, but I don't record them anymore. <laughs> I, my kids are so much better than me. I'll yeah, either call in a session guy, or I'll just you know, hey, call one of my son, kids. Come down, down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Um, I, I noticed that you'd been doing some gigs mm-hmm. with your kids. Tell me about that. That's like a dream of mine. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So they they're both super uh, musical and not just. I mean, I, I'm just into it. They love it. You know. Yeah. And my wife is musical. She doesn't do anything professional with it. She used to sing here and there, but um, everybody gives me all the credit because I'm the full time musician. And yeah. when you have two musical kids, they're like, oh, they get it from you. And um, her whole family is musical. Um, and they just. They, they all sing beautifully. They all have great pitch and all this. And they just think that's normal that everybody in the yeah, world just yeah, has that. Do you know? that yeah. So <laughs> they get a lot from both sides. And um, um but they, uh, you know, they both kind of started on drums primarily. I just I bought a toy kit. I had Which is perfect for stuff you lying around the house, and it's just I didn't force anything. I just just like there's always stuff for them to mess with. And then uh, when my older son got serious about it, like he maybe like nine and it was like okay he wanted to do like this little music school thing and i was like well just pick one instrument to focus on you can play whatever you want but like your focus yeah your and, main and instrument it was like, he was like definitely drums and like he just took off and ran with it and um and then i think his little brother decided to, he wanted to make like, whatever big brother did he you to, know little yeah. brother wanted to do too um but i also think there's something about drums when you're little like it's immediate you can hit it yeah, and it's fun. And it and it makes it sound good. It like sounds cool. Yeah, piano and keyboards is a little, also because you you know you can to play a song is not easy. But if I hit middle C on a keyboard, you could get a two year old to come over and hit it and get the same note and sound right. of it. Right. A, a stringed instrument it's is not a as different. Easy. Yeah, and yeah. with just the the strength in your hands and the size of your hands makes it a little bit longer of an early learning curve. Um, and of course, I mean, there's videos of young kids just ripping it oh, up. Yeah, so it's yeah. not that it's Playing not possible, like eruption but, better than me. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, they both just took to drums. Um, when they were little, they would both come out to gigs and sit in and sing with me. You know, like if I was doing a little acoustic happy hour, family friendly gig. Yeah. And then I would have them come sit in. They'd play drums on a song with one of my bands somewhere. And I don't remember exactly what age they were but they were both probably 11 or 12 around that age where i first brought them out to like an acoustic gig and i brought a little tiny kit and basically did a full gig just duo had them play songs that they didn't know and just like feet to the fire kind of thing and um and now we regularly do i do regular gigs with both of them Uh, my my older son is the He's the first call sub in my band with Jimmy. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. He's done maybe three gigs with us. He's got another one coming up in uh, in May. Wow. Um, yeah, they're. I've got friends calling me like, "Hey, is your hey, son is, free?" And then they forget. Oh, he doesn't have a car yet. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, but um, yeah. So they're and I've used them on on sessions. Uh, and not just me trying to push them on. Some of the artists that I'm playing with have like, "Hey, you should have you know one yeah. boys playing." So they're yeah they're gigging all the time. And, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it's it's it is amazing. It's a lot of fun. That's my other goal. Even though I've done a lot of gigs with both of them and a couple things where it's been the three of us, they both can play bass a bit. But I want to get them both up to where they could do half the night on bass, so I could do a trio gig with just them. Oh, that I've done some so trio cool. gigs with one on drums and a friend playing bass. Yeah. They could get through a couple songs, but to get through a whole night to where yeah. it's just the three of us. Yeah, like two sets or three yeah, sets yeah. of all that would be really cool. Yeah. And, and they so. both sing. We just actually did that last week at a benefit concert. We did like a seven song thing and it was 
basically just the three of us and yeah that's totally awesome that's yeah. an awesome musical goal i just hope neither of them pick up guitar because i'm sure by the time they're like 20 they'll be tearing me up you're you like know? dad get back yeah. on the drums yeah my phone will ring they're like yeah is aiden home like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny well you seem to be a gear fanatic tell me a little bit about your current rig and, and some of the other cool pieces in your collection i know before we started recording you and i were talking about our guitar collection and it was kind of getting like oh this is too cool we should save this for yeah. <laughs> for the interview but but tell me a little bit about your current rig and and kind of some of your favorite pieces that you have yeah i've always been a, a gear junkie um and i i got to a point i don't remember exactly what point in my life but there was a point where i was able to acquire something new without having to sell something to get it you know <laughs> and since then i've really unless there's a, something that i just had for a while and didn't bond with for the most part i've kept everything um i have sold a few things recently um nothing that's sentimental um you know if you had asked me my my guitar collection has has shot up in the past 10 years partially because of the thing with prs yeah um (laughs) it's too tempting and i'm I'm around i'm too close to it and it's like um but um I, i probably have 60 instruments of stringed instruments you know maybe 40 of those are guitars 45 okay um you know maybe like 10 and i i even though it it is a lot it's not necessary i totally admit that um but there i don't really have a lot of duplicate um sounds like i don't have like seven strats or like i mean to me that's just not i'm not a collector i'm a player and I, i you know i've got everything i gotta have a lot of weird kind of quirky stuff i have you know, Silver Sky, which I absolutely love. I don't have a 594, even though it's probably my favorite model, but I have a McCarty single cut okay. that is basically a 594. I mean, it is other than the knob layout, yeah. slight different knob layout, and, you know, a few little a tiny fraction of an yeah. inch, but it's the same two-piece bridge. Um, if I did not have that guitar, I would, would have a 594 yeah. without question. Um, that is one of my favorite guitars. Okay. Um, uh, I have a P two forty five, which is basically similar to that, but with the piezo output yep. that I use on certain gigs where I do that split acoustic electric thing a lot. Okay, um, um, and I have a lot of, like I have a an original Starla, I have an original Mira, um, I have a really quirky five. It was a it was a five thirteen, but they modified it and made it five oh nine, you know, with the different <laughs> yeah. switching. Uh, but then it's it's really a 525 because Skitchy put like another little switch to turn on the outside two pickups and there's a phase switch so like or the push pull so I counted one time how many different pickup combinations and I had to write it all down but it was like uh, you know I'll never use all 25 sounds yeah, but you'll you find know, two that you like but, maybe but it's cool but I re- I think my go to like I bring out. Um, I also have a, a McCarty soap bar, an older McCarty standard soap bar. Okay. Um, that has the soap bar and then a bridge pickup, but it has a, um, a Firebird mini hum in the neck. Um, and I really set that mainly up for slide, but it just became like one of my favorite guitars. Okay. Um, so I bring two guitars pretty much to each gig. gig okay and it really changes night by night depends on the band sure you know but sure, on what you're doing yeah. it's a it, it used to be i have one main guitar i would yeah. just that was you know it's like this is my and you go through phases where you know after a couple of years you find something else and that yeah, kind of gets that, retired yeah but it's a weird feeling when i'm leaving for a gig and i'm looking well, around what should and i I'm take going like yeah. yeah sometimes i go well the strings on this are 
I can I don't need to change the strings. Yeah, on this right. this so, yeah. one. Yeah, but um, it's yeah, it's you know, first world problems. Yeah, trying to decide which <laughs> two. Yeah, well, which. <laughs> but and amp wise, I I I was playing the Sanzera combo quite a bit. I still do. Okay. Um, but um, I have a two channel custom that uh, with with either a, a 112 cabinet or a 212 depending on but lately my love is the um i got a j mod oh, and wow. I, I got the i've got the 410 cabinet okay and if you would ask me two or three years ago if i'd be taking a hundred watt head and a massive 410 no way why not for these gigs not for but you know and i bring it out to every possible chance that i can use it because it's just it's so good. much fun. Yeah. I grew up playing a super reverb, so I'm the 410 just feels like yeah. home to me. Yeah. Um, and I also realized I love headroom. I love the sound of a low watt amp cranked up. They sound great, but especially in a band situation, getting over drums, I I want the amp to do the work. I don't want it blowing back in my monitor if not if and. But there's nothing just like having that big transformer, yeah, big and bottle that feel tubes and, response and that, the feel and of like hitting that low E string and it punching. Um, <laughs> I just I've. I realized that, you know, it's worth a little bit of a pain to carry it around. You always kind of revert back to your first gear, like kind of what you, you started with. You know what I mean? So Feels, if, yeah, it's, um, if, yeah, you, it's what if you're, you're comfortable to. with a with a 410 and that's what you started with and then you go off and you try all these different things and then eventually you always revert back yeah. to what you started with. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I also think it's like I spent a good chunk of my life playing all pretty much every night of the week. You know, I had all these residency bar gigs locally. Yeah. And so like my weekdays were packed with gigs and most of them were electric, a few were acoustic. And then I would do some traveling. But if I was home, it was like Sunday through Thursday, I had house gigs and then the weekends were easy to book. Yeah. Um, and I lugged that super reverb around, but it was a, it was a combo. So it was still one trip, Yeah. you know, and I had a free hand to get something else and the whole head and cabinet thing. Well, then it's two things to carry. It yeah. was all about convenience, even though it wasn't the smallest, lightest combo I could find by any means, but it was still the number of trips to and from the car. Yeah, it was have, easier in the a, winter and you yeah, had to park three blocks away or whatever. Stuff, yeah. So. Um, but then, you know, now I don't have to gig that much, you know, I'm doing, different kinds of gigs and less of them and but I'm still gigging plenty but I don't have like maybe I wouldn't be bringing this out if I was gigging like back in the day when I was playing upstairs at Armadillo's downtown Annapolis and yeah. up and down those stairs yeah. I probably would be like forget that thing <laughs> but um so you know it's if you only gig you know or less often you look forward to like playing these you know, cool like, things I'll bring the yeah. extra stuff yeah know? Like I would totally the the next gig that I have like I have in my basement a full Marshall stack with a JCM eight hundred and a nine hundred and I can't use those around <laughs> yeah, the house yeah. like it doesn't make any sense yeah. but the next chance that I get to play somewhere big outside or in a, in a bigger place I'm definitely gonna bring one of those you know just because I like look forward to it even though man four twelve cabinets are rough to haul around yeah. you know and it's like big 412 cabinets you know but first, it's, first it's place awesome. i played the the j mod before i owned one it's really what made me get one was it was a it's when it was like just about to be released and it was a prototype that they wanted me to just kind of take out and get familiar with because they knew i'd be filming a demo and i'd have to be like demoing it at yeah Dam. and i that's when i fell in love with it but um i i played it at a couple club dates but i also played it at a wedding gig of all places. The, for, actually, the first gig I played was at a wedding gig because I was like, I, 
I want to play it. I can't no, I wait to play it. it. So this I is what I'm saying. So I come rolling in with this huge thing where I mean most wedding bands like they're plugging through like a yeah small little e five watt combo yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's like it's all in ears yeah. I'm like nope and I'm like and they're all looking at me like I'm crazy what's wrong with this guy but I also I didn't put it in the PA because yeah. it was just like Too it'll much. fill the room yeah. but it it wasn't as like overbearing like it just sounded great and I was like I thought to myself that was really the gig that I went man if it works on this gig like I could do it I can actually yeah. use this yeah. thing. it's not just gonna be this behemoth <laughs> that doesn't so um that was the one that I actually called Jim at, at PRS that I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I want to get one of these things. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds good, but it just seemed like overkill. Like, for, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. I love that thing. So, um, do you still get pre-show jitters or do you get nervous and worried about playing no, at all? No, okay. I honestly, I, it's been a long time since I really have felt nervous that I, in the typical sense, I do get stressed out okay about like being prepared for all the songs like because okay. it's or that i'm bringing the right stuff because it's like it's not like i have this set gear that you know um so sometimes i'm i'm having to cram and you know relearn songs even with a band that i have played with before but i haven't played with them in you know yeah sure months, make sure you, you know, memorize like, the changes yeah and like you know what and, fills are where and yeah yeah so um and it certain bands like like I could go and play with and you know it's been a year and I'd be fine yeah. like there's enough either improv or the structure of the songs but like I play in a Steely Dan tribute band a couple times a year and I have to run over there's 30 <laughs> some songs that we have in the repertoire we don't play them all each night but sure. we might do a 20 25 song set yeah but some of them probably goes a year between when you're playing them and it's yeah. just kind of like that's one that oh I just, man I gotta brush up yeah, on that kind of know, thing and that stuff is dense you know yeah. <laughs> chord changes yeah and, sure you know, so that's one that before each gig i'm sitting there i'm like you know so but that's that's it's more of that but once it's i'm standing on stage or anything there's not a yeah a lot of know. times muscle memory takes over or you're focusing on something else and you're not really as concerned or worried and, and you know your instrument well enough to know where to play and i feel more to. comfortable standing in front of a crowd of people at a venue playing than if like I walked into somebody's living room and they handed me an acoustic guitar and you're in this tiny like weird little yeah, and everyone's super like staring thing, right at you like, yeah perform, Go ahead play, play something yeah. it's just like I'm so used to using a microphone and having that like so things that other people would be like oh this would be easy to do that feels more awkward to me than like playing a you know <laughs> sometimes the more intimate shows are yeah, harder to me than the ones where like it's a huge stage and the people feel almost not real because they're farther away yeah or it's it's such a big crowd that it doesn't feel um or you're at a bar and it's like you might be background music to half the people so there's that, no pressure yeah so so many gigs are like that where you're like freaking out like oh i gotta learn this chord change i gotta learn this i gotta learn that but those really intimate like you're under a microscope ones take me a second sometimes yeah. to get used to you yeah know? but yeah a normal bar gig is as long as you don't stop or totally play something wrong yeah. most of the time it's fine which because, i've done both of those yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that leads me to my next question yeah. so as musicians and as performers we've all had horrific embarrassing stage moments <laughs> or like epic fail gear problems what are some that stick out for you um <laughs> My, like my on my personal you know fail things not gear related but like um i have to there's plenty of times where i'm in the middle of something and you know a song that like i've 
I'm just kind of in a Zen moment. And I'm not really thinking. And then I go somewhere that I like, and I realize like, okay, wait, hold on. I've lost my spot. Or I just hit some really odd chord or, you know, and I know, and there's somebody there like filming it, yeah, you know, like right <laughs> or, you know, it's being, you know, they're making a board tape of it or something. And you're going like, I, it doesn't bother me at all. It, I, I learned early on to like laugh that stuff off. Yeah. Um, partially because it's like what are you gonna do it's a it's a moment it's here and gone yeah. you know uh if you're in the studio recording well that's just fixable. erase it start again yeah if it's a live gig even if it's a board tape whatever i mean it's like it's still just a moment and if you laugh it off like it's fine and and uh, i mean or if i i'm singing a gig song at a bar gig and i completely forget the second verse and i just sing the first verse again and you know people are kind of looking at me going like that and you know that's not it again, yeah what you, you can kind of laugh it off and just be like you know i don't remember yeah <laughs> but the, the worst thing you can do is like like show that you're like uh like that you're defeated your own, or upset yeah, because by it. yeah not only does that throw you off your game but also it from attention. the per audience perspective, it just it, it almost makes them uncomfortable because, or you feel bad for them. You're like, oh gosh, and then yeah. it's like watching somebody figure skating and then they fall, and you're like, oh my god, are they going to fall again? Yeah. But um, that's a lot more pressure than a gig, yeah. like some sort of Olympic performance. A gig shouldn't have that kind of thing. And if I went to go see somebody play, and I mean, it would be bad if they're like messing up constantly and constantly hitting sour notes yeah. and it'd be like Man, this okay guy practice know what's a going on. Yeah. but like you know if you could go see your hero and they could just hit a wrong chord yeah. and if they kind of joked around about it it was like it would just be like a funny story yeah. you know so that part i don't mind i've fallen on stage before you know i slipped <laughs> on a on a huge stage when i was young like it was cinco de mayo at hammer jacks in baltimore uh, okay. and they were having a jalapeno shooting contest during oh. our break so they filled red solo cups with diced jalapenos in you know out of canned and there's a bunch of you know drunk people on stage like seeing if they could finish this in <laughs> all <spilling>. over <laughs> so when we go out for like and you know it's hammer jacks on a drinking holiday yeah. so it's yeah. crazy yeah it's packed yeah. and we come running back on stage during the break and i just hit a spot of, and just slip right on my back you know oh. couldn't play it off like i meant to do yeah. it you know yeah. Um, so honestly, as far as gear stuff, and uh, you know, I, PR stuff is pretty reliable. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> string breakage. I, yeah. You know, I did a gig last week where I had to finish the last. You know, I just finished. It was a seven-song gig, and I broke a string. Like I still had three songs to go, and I had a backup guitar, but it was not anywhere nearby. And the set was so short, and we barely had enough time to do everything. I was just like, well, "I'll just get okay." Up. And yeah. it was the high E, and I was like, oh, "I could get you know." And yeah. there was a few moments where I was like trying to play a riff that I was like, "What okay, do I do no here?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's part of reason. That's why I'm a primarily a stop tail, you know, player. Yeah, because it doesn't go haywire yeah, when you break back, a string. Back yeah. when I was young, once I started gigging regularly, and I, you know, I had a Floyd Rose oh, on a guitar, yeah. and I like was that a, you know something and a string broke. I was like, it's unusable, yeah. you know. Um, but you know, and and even early playing strats, I used to block them off just so I could. I also do a lot of bending and playing another stationary note. So and with a you know trim, yeah, that stationary note everything goes out flat. Of tune, so, yeah, um, that's. Uh, but yeah, I you know I really, I've probably I've certainly had cable failures on a pedal board when you're in the middle of playing something. You're like, what oh god, yeah. you're trying to troubleshoot it, you know. But <laughs> that's no fun. Um, but nothing that stands out in my mind as much as like. 
falling on my back. Yeah, the jalapeno yeah, story yeah. is pretty good. That's yeah. one of the better ones that I've but heard in a while. If you do this enough, like you're gonna have that kind of stuff. Oh sure. And the main thing is not to let it like get you down or it happens. Know. I mean, so if it's a job, I mean, how many times does somebody mess up at a normal job or yeah, you have yeah. some failure mistake where you sent the wrong thing to somebody or whatever? Yeah, you know? I mean, it, it, it happens. But uh, I did have a, I had a gig out in Colorado with a it was a a band I was playing with that was on um, RCA and it was a it was a big like radio convention. This was a big gig for them, and I was just a hired gun. Uh, but they were very, like their manager was very like he didn't want me to mess with my pedals too much. It was like he wanted to make sure we looked really like it was a singer songwriter band. It wasn't about me. I'm just but like it was the image was important. It was yeah. like it was a short little set for like industry thing, and um, I was playing this telly like sixty two reissue telly, but you know with a typical ashtray bridge and um, the strap like literally broke like oh. like it split like halfway through like the second song and i didn't have anything handy so fortunately it had the ashtray bridge i had to hold the guitar up <laughs> i held it with my hands but i was holding the the edge of the ashtray bridge with my fingers for the rest of it and it wasn't guitar heavy it wasn't like super technical yeah but still but it was tough i was yeah. like sweating like really profusely <laughs> don't like, move you know, don't yeah. move yeah <laughs> and i'm sitting there thinking like what if it was a different kind of guitar what would i hold on to like I almost want to like put ashtray bridges on, on everything just in case yeah. or like eye hooks hand, just to like a monkey grip. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the story <laughs> yeah. behind the monkey grip. <laughs> I mean, other than that, I would have probably had like my foot up on my leg. You know, yeah, that would have been know. bad for the image. Yeah, thing. that would yeah. look so cool. <laughs> uh, well, I want to uh, thank you for spending time with us today yeah, and, of course. Uh, you know, giving our listeners some insight uh, to, to your world and, and guitar playing. And uh, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Any kind of words of wisdom or advice that you could give them? Yeah, I mean, if you you know if you're looking to um, play music, whether it's as a hobby or whether it's for a profession, like um, you know, understand that there's so many different opportunities out there. I mean, it's like teaching, playing, studio work, all of that is um, you know, and anybody who's made a living doing it typically does a, a, a bit of bit each, everything. You know? Sure. Um, but the biggest piece of advice is take every opportunity you can get, even if it's a style of music that you aren't really into, but there's a gig, you know, whether it's paying or not, you know, and you're just trying to get your foot in the door, take it. You'll, yeah. you'll learn something from it. Yeah. You may actually, re- I, I played a lot of music that I didn't care for when I was young and I grew to love it. And I, <laughs> I grew to like really appreciate guitar players that I never really thought of as like, you know, because they didn't play fancy enough. Sure. And then I'd learn the stuff and I was like, wow, this is a really That's creative cool. part. I didn't I never yeah. And um, so I've learned more from learning songs and situations that I didn't want to do or wasn't into. And I, I have to say most of my, some of my coolest opportunities that I've had have come from the most unexpected places, like a gig that, you know, a rock band karaoke gig, you're playing somewhere on the Eastern Shore <laughs> that I landed a, a touring, a national touring gig from that somebody just happened to be there that night. Oh, that's so. Awesome. Okay. I mean, those things definitely happen. Um, and if I was too proud and said no, no to the gig, it would never know. got that. Yeah. So just take every opportunity and and show up to the gig prepared. Be easy to work with. Don't be a diva. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are, how big you are. You know, it's like it's a small world out there, yeah. and you, your rep your reputation is what gets you hired. Yeah, you show up prepared. You're easy to work with. You write great parts writing a cool guitar part having you know good 
good like reliable gear and a reliable car like you know knowing that they can count on you will get you a lot more gigs than how fast you sweep pick sure any day you know um i learned that there's a lot of guitar players that can certainly outplay me but you know it, that's not what gets you hired you know well cool well thank you very much and uh we, we look forward to uh talking with you more tonight and hearing you play and uh thanks, yeah we always appreciate you coming out so thanks yeah good.